realize that we all have some sense or some form of kryptonite in our life, something that is weakening in us and limiting us from living out our destiny, from living free or living this abundant life that Jesus came to provide for us. Maybe things like the fear of failure, maybe past regrets, anger, rejection, comparison, Maybe it's our thought life. All of these are kryptonites that have a chance to to limit and to stop a wonderful, abundant life that God has for us. But maybe the most important form of kryptonite that cripples a lot of people, and maybe even believers here today, is unforgiveness. One pastor said that if he only was able to speak one message every Sunday for an entire year, his topic would be unforgiveness. It's a kryptonite that has the ability to mess up all of our lives. Let me just kind of maybe bring you in a little bit this morning. Has anyone here ever been offended? Go ahead, just be brave and Raise up your hand, all right? All right, well, let me just ask this follow-up question. Has anyone here ever offended anyone? All right, I think we got everybody, right? Does that include everybody here today? We recognize that we've all dealt with struggles and emotions and challenges in our life with people. We've all felt offended. We've all been offended. We all struggle with something that someone has done to us, or maybe the fact that it's hard for us to to go after when we have hurt someone else. You see, the deadliness of unforgiveness is its ability to grow. Say that word, grow, with me. The struggle with unforgiveness, the power that it has, is that it has the ability to keep growing. You see, it may start as unforgiveness, But then it grows a little bit more into hurt, and then a little bit more into anger, and then a little bit more into bitterness. And bitterness is that destructive force that is the result of living with unforgiveness. Bitterness is the fruit. Revenge becomes the nectar, but it is unforgiveness that is at the root. And the fact is, is that if you're not experiencing some of those moments right now, you have or you will. And I want you to remember that the force of unforgiveness is its ability to grow. It's not something to mess with, it's something to get rid of. It's not something to cultivate, it's something to cut out of our life. You see, unforgiveness fuels seeds like an infectious cancer to our heart. And if it remains, it will metastasize. Think about this with me this morning. Whenever that first problem, whatever it was, whatever that conflict, whatever that struggle, whatever that argument, whatever that feud or fight was, or wherever that first offense was, when it began, whether it was high school, college, first years of marriage, whatever, at work, It will simply be a springboard as the offense begins to grow and expand and eventually take over every area of your life. You've probably said it. You've at least heard about people that have had 
issues with one another, struggling with unforgiveness, that at some point, that if there is the possibility of resolve or at least getting together to understand the issue more, you will have people that after time will say, you know what? I I mean, where did it even begin? Like, how did this even get started? Hello? Like, it has grown so much that we failed to limit, how did this infraction even begin? Why? Because it has metastasized so much. This hardness, this anger, this bitterness has grown that a lot of people fail to even remember how the offense even started. Yes? Thoughts become malignant. Memories become harassing. And these misaligned memories will then distort how you see life and that how life has been so unfair to you. You see, the challenge in the spirit of unforgiveness is that although we project all of this outward, the prison always moves inward. As much as we are trying to deal and push it outward, we recognize that the full force of unforgiveness is moving more inward than outwards. Anger becomes out of control, and the people who are often around us become the unintended victim. I think for the believer today, for those of you that have put your hope or your life in in Jesus, almost no concept is more important in the Christian faith than forgiveness. You see, the gospel itself, its full message is about God's forgiveness. So if some of you are saying, hey, pastor, I appreciate this, but this is not for me today, guess what? (laughs) It is for you. The whole message of the gospel to you and I today is that we have the opportunity to understand that there is a God of full forgiveness that has the ability and the desire to bring full life to you and I. You see, the assumption in Scripture is that we will all offend one another. That's part of our humanity. You kind of confessed to it a few moments ago, right? You are either going to be the offender or you are going to be the offendee. And the Bible addresses that kind of issue. But the expectation in Scripture is that we will forgive each other. Can I say that again? That's good stuff, right? Some of you should be writing that down, taking screenshots, right? You see, the understanding in Scripture is that We know that we are going to offend, but the expectation of Scripture is that we will forgive one another. This is seen, I don't think, in any other greater way than a parable, a story that Jesus shared with us entitled, The Unforgiving Servant. We find it in Matthew chapter 18. So you can read along um, on the Real Life app today, or maybe just find a Bible on your device, or if you have your Bible with you today. Before we jump into the story a little bit, A lot of you, maybe if you've been to church, will know a little bit more the prelude to this story that Jesus is about to tell because Peter comes to Jesus and recognizing that when an offense had taken place that there was a a rabbinical law that was established and and Peter wanted to basically one-up that a little bit. And so he asked Jesus, hey, on this idea of of forgiveness, um, is it good that I forgive somebody seven times? 
Now, the backstory of that is because the rabbinical law of that time said that you could forgive someone up to three times, but on the fourth time, there was no forgiveness. So basically, if you grew up in the Old Testament times or in the beginning here of the New Testament, it was basically a three-strike-and-you're-out principle, all right? So you could give forgiveness up to three times, but after that, if somebody offended you or somebody went after you, you could say, hey, listen, I've dealt with this three times. You're... And many of you know that Peter offers to kind of double that plus. He said, listen, Jesus, I'm such a good guy that I'm willing to forgive even up to seven times. And so Jesus says, well, hold on there, Peter. Let me tell you a story. And I think this is what helps those of us in the church and for us as believers today. Within this story, Jesus gives us a couple of truths that I want you to follow along that I think will help grow us, will help challenge us if we are willing to step into this teaching this morning. You see, because I believe more than anything else is that forgiveness has been established to settle the account. The reason why we invoke forgiveness is so that we can put an end that the account can be settled. Matthew chapter 18 verse 23 says this, for this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the accounts with his servants. And so some of you, maybe you've heard this story in the past, that there was a servant that owed the king one million dollars. But since the man had no means to repay him, the Lord commanded, according to what was culturally acceptable at that time, that you would go into a debtor's prison, you, your children, your wife, all of your belongings, I'm going to seize them and hold them until you have the ability to repay me of everything that you owe me. But the servant fell to the ground and said, have patience with me. And I promise I will repay you everything. And at this, the Lord of the servant felt compassion. And he released him and he forgave him of the debt. Listen, it was more than just verbiage of forgiving him. The account was settled. There are some occasions that we might pay off a car. Some of you, after so many years, have the ability to pay off your house. And there is a moment when you hear from the bank or you hear from your mortgage company and they send you paperwork, documentation with a big stamp on it that says your account has been settled. Man, what a day of rejoicing that is, right? You recognize I am no longer under that. The king was not just forgiving this man of this heavy debt, but he was writing out a document that all of this that I could have held against you is gone. You are going to receive a document that your life now will experience whole and total freedom. Forgiveness has been established so that we can understand that the account is settled once and for all, that it is done. How many wish that it could be that easy in life? That's the truth. The challenge is us embodying and living the truth. Here's another point in the story. Forgiveness is designed to remind us of our accounts. 
You see, on his way out of the master's house, this same servant saw another friend who owed him a hundred dollars. This first guy, he had a debt. How big was it? What did he owe? A million dollars. And the king settled that account. Could never be brought up, done away with, paid in full. And on his way out, he saw a friend that owed him a hundred dollars. And the Bible says that he seized him and began to choke him and saying, you need to pay me back what you owe. And so the fellow servant fell to the ground and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything that I owe. But this servant was unwilling and because he had the right to do it, he threw him in prison until he should pay him back everything that he was owed. Listen, if you haven't read this story, I think for some of us it's really a shocking scene. But the story that Jesus is telling is just that. It is designed to grip us, to disturb us, and ultimately to challenge us. Because I think the first thought that we all have in our mind is, how dare you? Right? You were just released of a million dollar debt and you're going after a guy that owes you a hundred dollars? Like, what is your deal? How is it that this man failed to exercise the same forgiveness that had been shown to him? Can I put a little sound effect in there? Da-da! See, Jesus is getting to the point of the story. When we recognize that the gospel is built on the truth of forgiveness... You see, the same question can be asked of us, how dare we, when we have been forgiven of much, have this desire to still go after people over some little petty things? You see, such is the picture of a believer who still will allow to live with a vengeful heart and refuses to forgive. Let me see, help you share with you today, you can see what Jesus was driving at. You see, failing to forgive invokes godly justice. This is not just some little teaching that Pastor Jim thought that he would bring to you today. This is not just, you know, okay, hey, that was great. This is something for every one of us to sit at the table and just start to take in. We've either been the offender or we've been on the other side of the offense. And this area is probably most important than any other topic that we could talk about in our daily Christian living. Beyond our redemption, beyond our salvation, this idea that Jesus is presenting is probably the most important truth that you and I could understand today. And there is an ending to this. You see, what Jesus is sharing with us today, that if we will not invoke forgiveness, we will invoke godly justice against us. Servants of the master saw what had taken place between these two, and they reported it back to the king. They knew that guy number one was forgiven of this million-dollar debt, and they watched dollar debt be paid back to him. And so the king brought that man number one back before him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also then have had mercy 
on your friend in the same way that I have had mercy on you. Listen, if you can't say amen, say ouch a little bit, right? So uh, hopefully we understand the bigger picture that Jesus is talking about, who the king is and who the characters are in this story. And so listen, moved with anger, should be handed guy number one over him. The king revoked then his graciousness to this first man and said, I'm going to take away that until you repay me everything that you owe because you failed to learn what the kingdom is all about, to partner with who the king is. And so Jesus finishes this story by saying, my heavenly father will do also the same to you if each of you do not forgive your brother from your hearts. Man, there are some big words in here. Maybe you didn't expect to get this on a Sunday, right? Maybe you thought, man, Pastor Jim, like this is, this is big, powerful stuff this morning. This whole idea of forgiveness. Kind of the ending of that, at least for me, when we read it in, in this sense, it raises some questions right away. Especially this finish that, that Jesus brings. And so let me take a moment and explain what it is that, that Jesus is trying to help the church understand this morning. It's important that when we read these parables, these stories that Jesus taught to us here in the New Testament, that the details are secondary to the main message. And so oftentimes in parables, the, the, the parts of the story can often be greatly exaggerated, not in the sense of, you know, lying as part of the story or, or being so far off, but, but they are all designed so that it makes it undeniable that we are getting the main point to the message. Do you understand that? So in this sense, Jesus is maybe greatly exaggerating the secondaries so that there is no question that we get the main part of the story. And I think the main part of the story is that how dare you? The king saying, don't you realize that you have been forgiven of so much? How dare you not forgive those that whatever the cost is, great or small, that have had action against you? But then we read kind of some really strong words that Jesus talks about, that, that this king turned him over to torturers, or that Jesus said, your father in heaven is going to do the same thing to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. What it is that Jesus is saying? Well, let me clear up a couple of things. Does that mean that, that God is going to torture us? No, that's not God's nature or God's character. We have to understand what godly justice is. And this is what it is. You see, God's judgment against a believer is godly discipline. So it's not torture. It's not some physical beatings or all those kind of things. No. When we are entering in where God's judgment as a believer or God's justice comes against us, it is always seen in light of God's discipline for his children. But listen, godly discipline is not designed ever to punish, but to instruct. So he's bringing the boom, but it's not to 
punish or not to destroy, but strong language to help us understand this is a powerful message that we have got to understand, that God wants to instruct us, develop us, grow us from allowing this unforgiveness to do horrible things in our heart. Do you get that? The harshness of his discipline is a measure, really, of his love for his people and his concern for our purity. You see, genuine forgiveness is never to be given begrudgingly. It involves the refusal to hold guilt over the person who has offended us. For those of you that have little kids, you know, maybe like four, five, six-year-olds, oftentimes they get into little scuttles with one another, right? Somebody, somebody steals another kid's gogurt, right? Uh, someone, you know, grabs the toy that is mine, and instantly at these young ages, there's conflict, right? That we know that's a part of our nature, right? Because these precious little cherubs, right? Have this little demon streak in them every once in a while, right? Like out of nowhere, they just go nuts. I've got 70 of them here every day. I know what these teachers deal with. A lot of our teachers come with brown and and, uh, blonde hair, and they leave with gray hair a lot of times, right? Like how could these little cherubs like get into that? And sometimes we have to bring even two of the littlest ones together and tell them to forgive each other, right? Say they're sorry. How many, like, that's like trying to, like, hold on to two lions in your hands at some times, right? Getting two little five-year-olds to say they're sorry. And a lot of times when they say it, they say it just like you and I. I'm sorry. Right? We don't teach this stuff. It's innate within us. You see, genuine forgiveness is never to be given begrudgingly, or that we are holding this guilt over someone's head. But it requires a choice to not let bitterness take root. It is a laying aside of anger and a choice not to dwell on the offense that has been committed. Let's jump back to Peter's question, right? Like the prequel to this story. You see, Peter thought that He was upping what was the norm of the day. Three was the norm, so Peter ups it to seven. But what was Jesus' response? You think it's seven, but the the reality is, is that it's 70 times seven. I mean, do we fixate on the point that it was 490 freebies that we have to give somebody? No. The point was not the number. The point was is that seven still isn't even near enough, that we have to be cultivating always a heart of forgiveness. Now, listen, before some of you get too carried away, I know that you want to tell me about the thousand scenarios that will shoot holes in everything that I presented to you today. I know where your mind is at. Like, well, yeah, Pastor, but you don't know this guy. Like, you don't know this guy. You don't know what happened. You know, this family member. You know, blah, 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 blah. like, I hear everything you're saying. I mean, I believe Jesus. I believe the Bible. But I got the, blah, blah, blah. hello? So I've been doing this long enough to know, right, when we start getting into these nitty-gritties, you're already, like, trying to defend it. You're, like, you know, you're already back there, like, giving it to me. But Jesus' lesson is not to the one who offended you, His message in this passage is about your hearts. 
See, you just spent the last 15 minutes defending yourself against that person. And I'm just here to tell you, you fell right into Jesus' trap. Because he's not talking and wanting you to deal with that person today. He wants to deal with you. He wants to deal with your heart. You see, this is what he said in verse 35. We are to forgive freely from our heart. See, we're really good lawyers and defenders when we have been offended. And it's so easy for us to lay out all the facts and place all the blame. We're going to get there. But primarily, what Jesus is talking about, before we talk about them, let's talk about you. See, that's what makes us uncomfortable. That's what makes it difficult. That's why unforgiveness continues to go on and on. That's why it grows. That's why it metastasizes into so many other areas of our life. And we find ourselves years later thinking that we're free, but we're just always carrying this ball and chain around with us of unforgiveness. And why people, when I have to deal with them like months or even years later, they're going to say, or like you have said, uh, like, well, what's the root? Where, where did this all begin? And they're like, <laughs> you know, I can't even really remember that. Hello? So before we go too far, why don't we just continue to follow God's word and recognize that there's some help that he wants to provide for us today. I know that maybe in some of that struggle, some of you are saying, well, pastor, what if I still struggle to forgive? Or maybe if that person really has no desire to repent, like what am I supposed to do? Well, maybe this will help today. It is helpful to understand that forgiveness involves both an attitude and an action. You see, our decision should drive us not to get bitter or angry or revengeful about the person's offense. And our attitude should be cultivated by our choice that is driven from our heart. Maybe even if I could change that word cultivated to cultivating. You see, we as people should be living every day cultivating, even when it's not demanded in the moment, we should be cultivating a heart of forgiveness. Because sooner or later, hello, guess what? You are going to be offended. You are going to be hurt. Someone is going to say something about you. The unexpected is going to be happening. And so rather than waiting for that to happen, Jesus is giving us a principle that we are living with a heart that is constantly cultivating the spirit of forgiveness. And we don't get that from anywhere. We get that from our vision and our direct connection with him on high who forgave us. The action of forgiveness is actually granted only then when someone asks for it. You see, we must first settle inward before we have to worry about sending the forgiveness outward. Does that make sense? The work that has to go on in our life every day is more about inward. Jesus said, where do we forgive? Where does it begin? In my heart." So that I don't allow this root of bitterness, this nectar of revenge to destroy me from the inside out. Let me put it all together for us this morning. 
when we put these two things together, this attitude and this action, we realize that as believers, as followers of Jesus, we should always be cultivating an attitude of forgiveness in our heart and that that forgiveness then should be extended when the offender has truly asked for forgiveness. You see, we don't have to worry about part two until part two comes, but we have to be worrying about part one all the time. And listen, if you are handling part one, trust me, you'll do okay with part two. But we oftentimes reverse that, don't we? We put so much on the person, so much on the offense, so much on that. That's where our focus is about. And that even then when we try to come to a time of forgiveness, it's hard or it's difficult. Why? Because we have not cultivated part one, my heart. Hello? So Debbie and I were just in the Dominican Republic for a little while. We had a chance to be at a resort, and there were a lot of people as part of their job that were there to help service and, and make our stay enjoyable. And I've had the chance to be the DR on numerous occasions doing missionary work, and so I realize that when you go to kind of third world countries or poorer places that, you know, people are doing a lot of effort and a lot of work for little pay. And we knew that those who were working at the resort, man, smiles on their faces and couldn't do enough for us, but, but we knew that, that their pay rate was abysmal. And so in reading up about that, there were a lot of suggestions that you should take a lot of $1 bills with you so that when someone blesses you and, and takes care of you, they don't require, they're not demanding anything or much, but... You just kind of have a dollar if, you know, they've done something for you. It just obviously helps, like a tip, you know, that you're just kind of paying forward. And so Debbie and I took like a stack of $1 bills. And every morning, in fact, there were times that we forgot. So we would get up in the morning and we would go on a three-mile beach run and they had a nice fitness club, and, and so we would go work out, and so we were kind of in that kind of clothing, and, and then they had kind of a buffet breakfast place, and, and there was someone to serve us, and someone bringing this, and man, they were just all over it, and Debbie and I would look at each other, and we're like, oh my gosh, we forgot the $1 bills. Like, we're, we were better at lunch or dinner, right, kind of getting stuff, and, but that early in the morning and getting our day started and getting out on the beach and kind of being in workout clothes, it just didn't seem to be conducive that we have that money with us. And it only had to happen the first couple of mornings where Debbie and I said, hey, before we walked out the door at 8 a.m. to go for our run, do you have the $1 bills? What were we doing? We were cultivating a moment that we need to be prepared to bless people today. Listen, it wasn't required or expected. We sat beside tons of people that week that just did all their deal. These people served them, did everything for them, and they just got up from the table and left. So there was no expectation, but there was a desire for Debbie and I to bless. And we had to cultivate we had to remind ourselves every morning there are people here this morning 
that we must bless. And we missed it the first day or two because we were unaccustomed to that. So we had to make a vow with each other that before we worry about anything else that we grab a few dollar bill so that we can bless people. You see, this is this idea that you and I are going to be going into our days never knowing what all is going to take place, but there is a chance you're going to be offended. You're going to be hurt. Something is going to happen. And so what I want to challenge you this morning about is did you get up that morning, this morning, and grab a few dollar bills of forgiveness in your soul? Hello? You see, that's how you cultivate in your morning prayer time before you walk out the door to recognize, I don't know what I'm going to face today, but if I am not preemptive, I realize what my normal human reaction is going to be, to be empty, to have nothing to give, to allow things to cling to our hearts. Listen, a lot of what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 18 is for what happens inside the church. Our relationship with one another. It's really how the church should operate. So I want you to get that primarily this morning. But I know where a lot of our hearts have been and where a lot of our minds have been is, Pastor, what about those outside? You see, when Jesus talks about godly justice and judgment and discipline, he's talking about how we deal with one another. That if we have animosity towards one another, if we have some anger towards one another, if we have some bitterness towards one another, if we've allowed issues just to kind of germinate, God says, you're going to invoke my justice over you, my discipline, because that's not how the house of God works. That's not what an honorable servant of the Lord acts. He's the one that says, what's... Did I not forgive you of a great and massive debt when I brought you in to the house of the Lord? How dare you not have a cultivated heart of love and forgiveness to the like of those who are part of the family of God? Hello? When we first started the church, some of you remember we had like a little catchphrase we used to talk all the time. It's like, I choose not to be offended. How many, a couple of you remember that? And I had to kind of maybe amend that over there, although it's still a pretty staggering true statement, but I felt like I've had to amend that, you know, at times over the years to say, I choose not to allow the offense to keep going. Because I've recognized you have probably offended me at some point over these 13 years, 14 years, and there's maybe the slightest remote possibility that I have offended you in these past 14 years. And I've kind of recognized, listen, offenses are going to come. And it would be awesome to choose not to be offended, but I think what is maybe even more practical is, is that I choose to not to hold on to the offense. Because I think the reality is we have probably done that and we probably will do. It's not some pie in the sky like, oh, I choose not to. Now we are going to do that. But I think what my point is to you today is how willingly am I wanting to hold on to that? Or am I saying, listen, man, I love you so much. I realize we have some differences. I realize that, hey, this happened. That You might not even be aware of it, but I want my heart's to be pure and clean, and I want to love you wholly today. 
That's how the church is to operate. But let me just finish. Maybe the band will come and help me today. Because I think there is a big challenge to say, well, Pastor, what about the situations and circumstances to those that are outside of the house of faith? So I want to be really sensitive in this next moment. And I want to be really clear to you. Because I think I am aware, and I would at least with an educated assumption this morning, feel that some of you here today have been physically, mentally, or emotionally harmed by someone outside of the church. And maybe even worse, somewhere along that line, could have been hurt by someone who claimed to be a follower of Jesus. I know this from a close connection to Debbie and my life, and I know some of the stories where you have walked, and I know some of your stories, and when you start to hear about forgiveness, it just kind of sets some steel in your spine, because you have been hurt in a horrific way, and just hearing the idea of want to be forgiveness just kind of puts some chills in your life. And so I want to be really sensitive and I want to be clear with you this morning. I know it seems very difficult to consider forgiveness and this kind of word that I share this morning, if you are going to relate it to the hurt that you have experienced, that this still offends you to this day. And you've been gracious enough to listen, but there's a struggle that I've stirred up in your spirit this morning. Listen, I'm not new and I know where people are at today. So here's what I want you to know this morning. Jesus was primarily giving us this teaching for inside the church walls, but this word is not exclusive to what happens inside either. You see, forgiveness and healing to certain types of offense may take a lot of prayer it may take counseling, and sometimes takes a lot of time to complete the process. I know the frailness of our emotion and our challenge. Sometimes when these offenses take place, if we were young and we were unmature, it's even more powerful. And we've lived with them for a long, long time. See, Ephesians chapter 4 says this to us in the church. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. How many think Paul gave us a fairly extensive list right there, right? Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Those are powerful words for us in the church. You see, the teaching that Jesus gives to us is that that is the law for the church. If you claim to be a believer, if you're here at real life, and there are going to be challenges, offenses, we're going to brussel up against each other, we're going to kind of do something that we shouldn't have done, then we have to let go of bitterness and wrath and anger and slander 
all malice, and we need to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, and the willingness to forgive because we recognize Jesus forgave us of a massive debt. So this is law for the church, but it is a model for those that we have with dealings outside the church. And so when we come up with someone who is not a believer or someone that has harmed us, you say, Pastor, it would be hard for me to be tender-hearted. It would be hard for me to, to act in this way. Listen, I get that. So what I want to challenge you with is to still take these words from Ephesians 4 and through prayer and through help and maybe through counseling or through love with people that are around you that are loving you and supporting move in that direction because the opposite will take us deeper into the root and will grow our bitterness, our hurt, our pain, and our suffering. You see, I know that entering into that process of forgiveness to someone that has hurt us deeply, can I tell you this truth? When we enter into the process of forgiveness in that way with a godly heart, with godly direction, it's not about freeing the other person. It's about freeing yourself. It's about us letting go of all anger, of all malice, does that mean we still have to process? Are you saying, Pastor, do I still have to forgive that person? No, you have to keep your heart right. But if that person comes with true humility and repentance to ask for forgiveness, and it's legit, yes, as hard as that is, as a believer, we are commanded to forgive. We take action. You say, well, Pastor Jim, I don't believe that will ever happen. That could ever take place. Listen, it's not about that person any longer. What? It's about you cultivating, cultivating, cultivating every day that I know that God is working in my heart because I would find that extremely difficult. But should that day ever take place, I know that God has directed my heart in such a way I couldn't believe it but I feel as if I could do it. I would probably say this before we end today, that some of you are here today, and you might say, how is this dude like reading my mail? How is it that I chose to show up at Real Life? This is my first time here, and this guy is speaking right to me today. Some of you haven't been around real life for a while and you just decided, you know what, I'm just like, I'm going to church today and gosh darn, he's speaking on this today? Are you kidding me? How many know God well enough that it wasn't me? It was all him. And so today I leave you with a choice. After hearing God's word, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to allow the roots of bitterness to continue to grow? Are you going to continue to just justify all of your stuff and you're going to prove that other person wrong? Or are you going to take this sovereign moment that we have together to say, God, there's probably some work that first you have to do on my heart. 
Listen, it's first an attitude. Do you hear me today? It's first an attitude before it's an action. Don't run ahead. Pastor Jim's not telling you you have to forgive that other person. The first thing Pastor Jim is telling you today is that you have to have an attitude of cultivating a heart of forgiveness. And I believe that if you will do that, you're not going to need Pastor Jim to give you any further instruction. There's someone called the Holy Spirit who's way better at leading you in the next steps than I am. But today is a choice. Today is a choice of all of the things that have happened to you, the harm, the pain, the suffering, for you to simply to say, am I going to carry that for another day, another month, another year? Or is today the opportunity that I am freeing myself, that I'm letting the power of God's truth transform my life? Listen, don't let this kryptonite of unforgiveness, the longer that it stays, has the power to continue to weaken you, even to the point of death. How about bow your heads with me today? So church, listen, I know there's no doubt that these messages tend to be pretty heavy, pretty emotional stuff. And I know that maybe it's hard or it's difficult. There's so much that your, your spirit is trying to process. There's a lot of baggage that you didn't even know that you brought into this place today, but it's there. You know it's there. And now there is this call to do something about it. And it might be hard to respond. It might be hard to process all of that in this moment. But for some of you, I believe with all of my heart you need to do that. I think you need to make a step in your heart and in your life right now that says, I'm, I'm walking away from what has been growing in my life in the wrong direction. And before God has to bring godly judgment and discipline in my life, maybe that was part of today, is that before he has to turn it up, I, I need to respond what it is that God wants to do. I don't know if there are issues here among us that need to get settled, or maybe you're carrying some wounds and some scars from some things that have happened in your past that have still gone unending. Listen, today might just be the first step of developing an attitude of recognizing that God is here to help you. That hurt is not freeing. That This forgiveness is not freeing that other person, that step today is, is freeing you. Letting God's grace, mercy, love, truth grow in you today.